Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ron from the Box of One podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Today, it's Azam and I, and we're discussing the OG Ananobi contract extension, Barcelona and Liverpool, and a little bit of this and that at the end. As always, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Box and One Pod. And thanks always for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of Box and One. I'm Azam Farouki with my co-host Ron. Hey Ron, how's it going? Not too bad. Uh, Pramit is away at a virtual Christmas party, I think. I didn't know that was a thing, but I guess anything is possible right now. So he says. We'll take his <laughs> word for it. Yeah, we have to. So a um, couple of interesting things happened since we last did our episode. Um, so the big one uh, that we want to talk about today, OG Ananobi signing a four-year extension, $72 million. Uh, I guess that was probably plan A for the Raptors once uh, word got out that Giannis signed an extension. It was probably they should have been their biggest priority and they got it done, which is great, uh, before the December 21st was it the deadline, right? Yeah, whatever whatever Monday was. Was that the, the, that was the 21st? 21st yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was a 6 p.m. deadline and like a bunch of other deals trickled in. Jonathan Isaac signed a, a similar deal. Uh, I think maybe it was 80 million, so 20 mil per. Um, Markel Fultz also signed a, a similar-ish type deal. There were a bunch of deals that started trickling in. So, I mean, like you said, it was, I don't know if it was plan A. It was plan A after the Giannis signing. For sure. Um, so I guess plan B-ish and then yeah. turned into plan A. Mm-hmm. It was the only thing that they that they really could do because we talked about it in our last episode. You look at the the free agent class. I don't like you can't really bank on on anything uh, in that class. And and maybe it's going to like I said before, maybe it's going to be something in the trade market. But I mean, getting this done, uh, it, it had it had to be priority. You're right. I mean, like because Paul George is not uh, available anymore. Uh, Rudy Gobert resigned. Yeah. I mean, so all the big guys were done. Uh, so. I mean, you wouldn't have had like that that number one guy to begin with. So, it makes sense to just um, you know lock him up right now, and especially if he has a good year, this could be a steal. Yeah, like if you remember, uh, when was it? I don't know if it was like twenty twelve ish when they did the same with with DeRozan, where they signed the early deal, um, got him on a on a club friendly contract, yeah. and it ended up working out really well. I mean, th- this could backfire, but but the thing is that. If you look at OG's game and what he gives you right now, it's it's strictly built like or not strictly, but mostly built on defense, and that's not going to go anywhere uh, unless I mean, barring any kind of injury or something like a catastrophic injury. But that defense is always going to be there. He's he's that effort type of guy. So the, what you're hoping for now is in order for this to make uh, to make it a real value signing is can his offense catch up to his defense and maybe not even catch up. It's improve a little bit. Like we we've heard over the past year, two years that, you know, he's a low efficiency, uh, low usage guy with high efficiency. You don't really have to run anything for him. He still managed to get uh, just over 10 points. I think nearly six rebounds, one and a half steals a game, good numbers uh, shooting solid percentages. Um, But what you're hoping for is, you know, especially with the departure of Ibaka, is hopefully he's going to start to get a little bit more of uh, the offense going through him 
when maybe, you know, Pascal's not on the floor, uh, you know, maybe running some pick and rolls with Kyle and Fred. I, I'm really interested to see with, especially now that Chris Finch is on the, on the staff and we've, everything that we've heard is that he's such a great offensive mind. I want to see what they're able to work with OG in the offense. And that's interesting. So let me ask you this. What would you like to see him, you know, if you want to see that the, the offense is improving, right? And you want to see him take that next step. What do you want to see from him? Like I said, it's, I, I, I would like to see him used um, like maybe at the four, maybe at the five. There, there was talk about it early on. I, last year, they kind of were forced to use him at the five a little bit, you know, going a little bit small ball five. I'd be interested to see a little bit really small, right? No. Yeah, really small. I mean, it's it's kind of like the the pocket rockets type situation with PJ, PJ Tucker playing playing center, maybe on on a little bit of a larger scale. Mm-hmm. But it just gives you another wrinkle. He's strong enough where he can he can match up with some centers, um, and he'll he'll give them you know a, a, a different look where you know you have him standing on the corner hitting hitting those corner threes. But you know, I want him. That's mostly what they've been doing with him. It's it's just you know standing in the corner hitting those threes. I want to see him do, like I said, a little bit more in the pick and roll. I think he can give you like a little bit of pick and pop, um, you know, flash of the basket off that off that pick, and and just use him where you're actually running stuff for him specifically, rather than relying on him as as a you know fourth or fifth option where or you know just picking up the scraps on, on rebounds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and comparing him, like I mean, you signed Fred for what, like twenty one mil for next year, and then. Um... Him so eating doesn't sound too outlandish, right? Like, what are good comparables here? Uh, so if you look, John Isaac is is a good good comp. Um, you know, same same ish age, uh, very similar stats, offensively, uh, defensively. Um, you know, they're they're both considered very good defensive players. I think OG has the edge a little bit defensively, uh, but it's right now what you're paying these guys for is is the hope that they end up exceeding what they've been doing offensively in both cases. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's low risk, like, you know, 18 million, it does sound like a lot. And I was, I was kind of going through Reddit, just taking a look at what, what people thought about it. And somebody mentioned that this is a, a Luol Deng type contract from years ago. Um, and it's just funny that that's the comp because, you know, in those, in those years, maybe like 10, 10 years ago in the NBA, that was when teams were just, you know, throwing bad contracts around. This is definitely not that you you've got a guy who's very young um, still, you know, he's shown flashes of what he can do. Uh, and, and you look down the list, like the other guys, I'm, I'm just looking down at my list that I have uh, other guys around that range. You have uh, both Bogdanoviches are roughly around the same amount. Um, Rubio, Rogier, you know, Bledsoe, uh, Eric Gordon, Demontis Sabonis. Sabonis is, is, is a good comp. Um, so, like, he's he's definitely worth it, especially because of the youth. Yeah, and I'm looking at some of the players getting paid $18 million. Um, makes me a lot more comfortable with OG than some of those names out there. Yeah, because you, you hear the number initially, and you're like, that, that's all, that sounds like a lot of money. But in today's NBA, when you're getting that second contract and you've shown a little bit of something, teams are definitely a lot more willing to just throw a little bit of money at you. Another guy that I just remember they got – 15-ish million, I think, is uh, Luke Kennard. Um, yeah, sure. A decent offensive player. I think he was around 15 points on a really bad Pistons team. Give three more million for, for OG. 
I'm I'm really comfortable, and especially like we, we talked about it. There there isn't much else that we can do right now. And going forward with a core of Pascal, Fred, and OG, I'm I'm comfortable. Okay. So what's next for Raptors? I mean, um, I see five is still an area. Uh, there's an opportunity for them to improve, right? I mean, if they want to take the next step and, you know, you truly want to contend, you want to talk about being the, you know, the top four in NBA. Um, what, what do they need to do this year? And what do, like, I mean, like you said, and like someone might be available in trade, but what do they do about five right now? I, to be honest with you, I, I think the five is one of those positions where I don't know that you really need uh, to spend big money on a five, like, you know, 205 million for Gobert, uh, in a, in, you know, he's, he's, he's a little bit limited offensively, especially for what today's NBA is. Uh, I don't, I don't know that the Raptors necessarily are going to need, not that they would be able to go out and get anybody like that. I mean, maybe they could through the trade market, but I don't think that you really need to do anything at the five right now. I think you stand firm. Let's take a look and see what we have. Uh, see how the core comes together, see how they play, don't just don't do anything uh, and i don't think they would but just don't do anything don't don't make any knee jerk reactions let's just see what we have let's see if og can give you something and let's see what this core looks like going forward mm-hmm. it's, it's good to be a raptors fan right now i mean uh, i guess uh, siakam's entering prime and you know you've signed og a couple of good young kids should be fun yeah i, I I think right now is one of those times too, though, where, where it's easy to be a little bit nervous at the same time, because, you know, you know that Giannis is no longer um, a possibility. You've given Fred a big contract and you need to see, does he, does he take a little bit more of a step? You have Lowry who's aging um, Pascal coming off that, that rough uh, playoff. So it's, it's good. And at the same time, I think there are a lot of nervous fans even some who, you know, they, they look at the OG contract and they think, let's see what happens. But, uh, you know, I was talking to some friends and they're not entirely convinced that this is going to work out um, as positively as I think. But, you know, it, it's it's going to be one of those transition type years where you're just figuring things out and seeing what you have. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, so uh, let's see how that goes. Raptors game one. Uh, when are they playing? Uh, Tomorrow against the Pelicans. So the, okay. the 23rd. Yep. So game, um, the opening night today, uh, Golden State uh, lost to Brooklyn Nets. Um, Clippers playing Lakers right now. Um, so, yeah, it should be an interesting season. So fingers crossed. And we'll see how Raptors do this year. Yeah, I, I do want to say I was watching that um the Golden State Nets game. Uh, and I know everybody's going to be saying this. I'm sure Twitter's blowing up. I'm sure like everybody, like media, everybody. Uh, the the Nets looked really good. When I stopped watching, and I stopped watching because I think it was a 30-point game, Kyrie had nearly 30 points. Um, stopped keeping track. I was, I was looking at my phone a lot more because it was, it, was a, it was a tough game to watch. Golden State might have a rough year, but again, like, Keep in mind, this is this is the first game, and I know it's it's easy for people to kind of just you know crown the Nets the champions because of their roster. Their roster does look really good, but let's see what happens. Let's see if they if they continue playing like this. Let's make sure they they gel before we crown them champions. But they they look really good. Nice, awesome. 
All right. So moving on, let's talk a little bit about Barcelona. Okay. And I want to say, guys, we haven't prepped for this at all. Um, yeah. Like we, we kind of just threw this together last minute. So let, let's see, let's see where this, uh, where this talk goes. Uh, like at, Barcelona is, is an interesting case. You know, I was, I was thinking about it today and, and kind of getting my mind ready for, for what we're about to talk about. Um, it's like, you know, everybody is really panicking about Barcelona and where they're at right now. But then you look at the standings. Yes, they're fifth. And in a year where, you know, it, it started off with Messi apparently leaving and then Messi coming and then, you know, the 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 stepping down of their president. And it's it's been a terrible year. And the fact that they're fifth and still like the chances of them winning the championship are slim to none, but they're still sort of in the race. So the fact that this is a catastrophe year, um, I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I, I'm not sure there's cause for concern going forward, but I don't think this year is as bad as people are making it out to be. But is it because that La Liga is kind of all over the place right now? There's no clear dominant force. It's it's also a factor of other teams not being able to step up. Real not being the same Real rather than Barcelona not being a disaster on its own. Definitely. Um, I, it, you, I'm pretty sure a lot more fans would be a lot more upset about this if Real was running away with the league because seeing mm-hmm. them at the top of the league while you're struggling makes things so much worse. So, yeah, th- that's absolutely part of it. Um, and I, I don't know if – and we talked about this before. I don't, I don't know if all of this is, is COVID-driven or, or it is really the fact that, you know, there, some of these teams are in transition. Real is, has struggled. Um, Real Sociedad, Sociedad has looked has looked good, and they came they came out and they lost to Barcelona as well. So it's it's I don't know what to make of this season, and and I like what are your thoughts? Because you know I, I'm obviously coming at this from a very Barcelona biased point of view. What do you look at when you see La Liga? You know, I mean, for me, it's always exciting in La Liga when I see any team other than Real or Barcelona being at the top. It's been like, what, five times this century that another a different club has won the champ- the La Liga. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of Barcelona, I'll admit, but whatever I've seen, it's very inconsistent. And, and I mean, Champions League is out of question for them, it, it seems at this point, right? Um, I saw a couple of young kids, first few games... They look good, and then I mean, being young kids that they are, I saw a lot of inconsistency at times. Um, so, yeah, I, for me, it's a lot. Personally, I think it's a lot worse than it looks. I could be wrong. It's just my uh, an outsider's perspective. So it's it's definitely worse than it looks because when you consider the money situation of the club that's what you know that's where you start to get into the ugly side of it on the field mm-hmm. it's bad uh it, it's definitely bad but at least the young the the, the younger players are, are getting a chance you know you're seeing Sergio Dest get a chance uh you're seeing Pedri you know you're seeing some guys step into some roles where you know maybe maybe in the past they they may not have been able to because you know you got the high price tag players playing uh Ansu Fati was it was another one before mm-hmm. uh before injury hit him uh, and I said before the season started, like center back was a major concern. And then you had some injuries in the back line. And then all of a sudden you're playing some inexperienced guys together. And it, it like it showed. 
and finally, what they did today, and it's, you know, take this with a grain of salt because you're playing against a, a Valladolid who's, you know, near the bottom of the table. Um, you played, they, they finally switched up their formation, played three center backs with mm-hmm. uh, two wing backs and still the double pivot. And things ended up working what out. Was it like five two? So it's um, it's it's basically a five five two. What did it end up being? So they had Messi and Brathwaite up top. Messi so ended up dropping three, deep. Five two Sorry. one two. Five two one two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, five two one two. Exactly. With the, with the two wing backs, very much attacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives you a little bit more. Uh, coverage defensively because you have the two uh, deep lying midfielders who can cover the center backs. Um, but then the, the most interesting part was how Pedri ended up. He was he was playing the attacking mid role with um, Messi playing up front with Brathwaite, and Messi would kind of come back and into into in, into the attack to kind of you know he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't the number nine. The number mm-hmm. nine was was Brathwaite, and then, and it, the the link up between him and Pedri, I only saw the highlights mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't able to actually watch the game, but they, it, they showed some chemistry and, and it's, it's interesting because you didn't have Griezmann in the squad. You didn't have Coutinho in the squad. Um, and I think this is the first time that they didn't f- force those two in, into there. And they, the, it actually looked a lot better, but again, you're playing a team that's in the lower half of the table. So, what, what does this mean until you see it against a, a bigger club? So, how's Messi look this year? And if you take him out, what do Barcelona look like? Awful, Me- Messi. So he he definitely started slowly, mm-hmm. and he's he's come on a lot um, over the past you know, month and a half, maybe. And he's he's not going to be the Messi from you know 2011, 2012. Sure. It's it, that that Messi is gone because you know nobody can keep up that level of play for this long. He's he's older, but he's still a very good player, um, and he's he's looked great. I think he's at seven goals now. He's he's very much involved in the attack. Uh, he's getting shots on goal. He's he's doing he's doing messy things. Um, but it, it it's just it's it's the it's the team around him, and, that, and that's where like you know we talked about this before the season. Is it a is this a Coleman issue? Is this just the club in general? Is it the players? It's probably a combination of everything. But you know, you look at the guys that you're that you're stuck with, and you can't do anything with it. This is probably going to be the situation for another few years. And, and that's the thing, right? So let's say Messi leaves after this year, or you know, hypothetically, who do they bring in? It doesn't seem they have the money. Um, there was talk of uh, going after Mo Salah. I don't think they can afford him right now. Uh, Real's looking to go after Mbappe. Um, I don't think Barcelona will have the money to even consider something like that. So where do they go? I mean, do they just stay irrelevant for a few years? Can they even compete, like, like seriously challenge Real over the next four or five years? So this is the funny thing. It's that, I don't know if you heard, but at, at one point they had to borrow money from Goldman Sachs in order to cover their their wage bills. They yep. absolutely don't have the money, and this has been rumored for for years. My personal opinion, and I'm pretty sure that this is not an opinion shared by most Barcelona supporters. I come at this from kind of the the North American viewpoint, I guess. Of you don't just throw money at a problem to kind of solve it in you know the NBA in. Um, 
you know, the, the NHL, some, sometimes you have to struggle for a few years to build things up. I guess it's it's not the same in football. You know, it's it's a little bit different because, you know, the, the top teams are the ones who typically spend money. But I would like to see them spend it in a smarter way rather than, you know, the old regime who just Griezmann, Coutinho. You're, you're picking up all these high-priced players without considering, do they even fit into the squad? You have so many players who are in who, who fit into the same type of role. And there was never any consideration to how are these guys ever going to fit together? Like the fact that we've we we got rid of Suarez in the offseason and we're not really left with a with a true number nine is is ludicrous. Like that shouldn't happen at a club like Barcelona, but it has. I prefer building through the youth academy, bringing some of these kids up, letting them play as they, you know they're kind of doing right now, um, and and just letting things play out. But I I don't think you'll hear a lot of Barcelona supporters say that because they they don't want to see struggles for you know three four years yeah you know what and, and if you have the flexibility you can still build it <coughs> through academy but still keep bringing in players and be competitive but at certain point something's got to give right i mean continue was a terrible spend i mean it was great for liverpool uh it was insane amount of money like you, you, that they paid like it's just ludicrous right and if you if you're talking about smart money for that much money, like Liverpool got Allison in goal, they got Van Dijk, like they made a lot of smart choices. But like Barcelona, yeah, Griezmann wasn't a good fit for a couple of years. like early on for the, for a good part of his tenure in Barcelona, he's never been a great fit. Like um, all of it, the entire right? tenure, exactly right. I mean, if I'm not if I'm being honest, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, again, Coutinho was a disaster. You've held too long to some of your older players out of legacy, or you know. Uh, PK has been along around for way too long, and I, I understand the sentimentality behind it, and you know everything. But at some point, you have to make a decision. Uh, and, and this comes back to like, is the ownership structure an issue, or is it, it's not going to change anytime soon? But is that an issue as well, or no? Um. So, so with with the way the way things work, you know, uh, it, if you get the wrong person in as president who sees things in the wrong way, mm-hmm. you're going to set the club back m- many years. And if, and if you're spending poorly the way they have for so many years, you see you, like to the point where you're borrowing to pay your wage bills, it, it's not going to change because this, this is the club, you know, they're, they're, they're owned by, you know, the, the, the members and you know they they vote on uh, on a president and this is how it is and there's there's the election coming in January but you know it, it's 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 tough I, does this maybe this doesn't work anymore maybe that's not the way you know things really really work in in 2020 um, but I mean I like I, I wanted to get your your opinion because you know being a, a Liverpool fan uh, Liverpool had some some lean years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement. Uh, you, you know what? You're absolutely right. So, uh, I mean, if I mean they've had good years in a way that they won the Champions League, then they made right. another final last decade, right? But if you look at it purely from a league perspective, because Champions League's slightly different, um, but if you look at it year in year out, they weren't a very very successful club, right? I mean, here and there they had a few good years, but that was just a base of players having those good years, and then they ended up having a pretty good season rather than having a really good system. Uh, so, I mean, 
the good things I liked. So let's say uh, when Brendan Rodgers got sacked and Klopp came in, the whole team is different now. They've made some really shrewd signings. They've put together a system in place. But what I really liked is over these past four or five years, you've seen a lot of young kids coming up from the academy and stepping up as well. So, yes, they got Mo Salah. Yes, they got, uh, you know, Firmino and Mane and Wijnaldum. And, like, pretty much everyone, like, majority of the guys, they did get over the last four or five years, right? Um, but they also put enough effort in the academy and they're bringing guys. And this is especially the year where you're starting to see the fruit of some of that hard work behind the scenes. I was convinced going into the season because of COVID and how condensed the season is going to be that the be- the team that's best set up to win the Premier League was Manchester City. One, because they had the depth because they can easily put two teams together technically. And on top of it, they have the money to spend. So I, I was convinced that this would be the season for teams that would have that A depth and B money and willingness to spend. Um, but Liverpool, I mean, if you look at the series of injuries they've had this season, right? I mean, Van Dijk goes down, probably the best centre-back in the world right now. Uh, Thiago's out, um, hardly played. Uh, Salah tested positive for COVID for a few days. They had like seven, eight top guys from the you know, the first team injured, and now they're still at the top of the table. And a lot of it has to do with the young kids who are coming out from the academy, right? So last two, three years, we saw Trent Alexander-Arnold becoming one of the uh, best uh, right-backs, uh, at least in the Premier League uh, or in England. But this year, Curtis Jones has stepped up a, in a big way. Uh, he's played really important minutes for the team. He's played, and he's played really well. He's held his own. Like, he, if you can easily make an argument that if you're putting down your best team right now, he would be one of your midfielders starting every day. He's been that good and he's what, like 2021 right now. Reese Williams has come up and he's done reasonably well. Uh, It's been, it's a lot harder to be a center back, you know, when you're young, Um, you can get, you know, figured out pretty easily, but I think he's done well. Um, Gomez went down. He was, you know, he was young as well. So overall, I think that's where having that system in academy comes into play. It allows you, and and that's where, you know, Liverpool haven't had to worry about spending that much money even after going through seven, eight core guys being injured at some point of time this season and still holding their own at this and And log on wood, I mean, let's see how long that continues. But, uh, and, and that's why it's important. And that's where I think Barcelona needs to take a step back and see, you need to bring guys from the academy, you'll have to spend to stay in the top four and be a competitive team and so on and so forth. But at some point, who's going to want to come and just, you know, if you're really talking about your top guy, like you're you're not winning Champions League over the next three, four years. So you have to take a step back, build. Doesn't mean that you tear down. You Like that concept doesn't exist like it does in NBA or uh, hockey or anything else right here. Thank you. But but, because you still have to be top four. You can't strip down to bare bones, right? You need Champions League money, otherwise you're money, right? Right. So, I mean, but at, at some point you have to focus on the academy, and and if you've committed to Coleman as a long term manager, then you have to go back and put the same system in the academy, make sure that the kids are ready to play at that. Like you've got to make sure that whoever the manager is, that philosophy goes top, like all the way down, right? Because if you, if a kid has to come up and you know contribute for one reason or another, he has to know the system really well. And, and I think that's really important. 
So, and I was listening to the to the Barcelona podcast. I don't have enough time to watch, mm-hmm. you know, the the Barca B or the or you know the lower levels at the Barca Academy. But by all accounts, the academy is still fairly successful. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have a lot of talent there. I think right now, what's going on is, first of all, th- th- like you said, there, there's a disconnect right now between the style that's being played at the top club and what's being played in the academy. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I don't, I don't like, you're not really giving a lot of these kids a chance in any kind of, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll get, you'll get a King's, King's cup match, but right now you have young kids who are being thrust into prominent roles for an extended period of time. And I think in, in Liverpool's case where you mentioned you had some injuries um, and guys were able to step in, but by and large, it's, it's not for, an extended period of time. I, I imagine it's, you know, spot duty, get some time. And then eventually you get your Salas, um, you get your Van Dyke that, that end up coming back and taking the role um, on a regular basis. But if you look at Barca, like they have a bunch of guys who are right now in roles, Minguesa, uh, Araujo, long, like Longley shouldn't be playing regularly he's he's not that type of player i think that maybe they you know they overestimated what what he's capable of pk got got hurt and you've got guys who probably aren't ready that have to play in these roles for extended periods of time yeah that's fair and and that's the case for most of liverpool players i think the only two i can think of who more or less have cemented themselves pretty much like curtin jones is like probably now a bona fide starter despite being a 19-year-old. So he's one who's taken that step. But for the other ones, yeah, it's mostly been spot duties, right? Reese Williams a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, but for the most part, yeah. But but that's why if you're coming to play a spot, like perform a spot duty, you're going to know the system. You're going to know what the coach is going to ask or need from you. Um, you. You can't play a different system down there and come up and say, because if you think about it, like uh, Liverpool will play a very high line. Um, you have right backs, and left back Robertson and Trent who basically drive up the play out, you know, and you know, you like they're the ones who take the ball forward. And most of the time, the job of the midfielders is to press and probably win the possession back. Like it changed a little bit during all the injuries and everything, but for the most part, that's the system. And if you have someone playing a, a very different system back there where the midfield is creating chances, like the kids are going to struck. So, I mean, and th- that's where there's a happy medium, I guess. There's a balance that you have to have, right? So, Yeah. And if you, if you look at, if you look at Barcelona, you know, you, you have, you had Fatty in, in a, in a prominent role mm-hmm. and he ended up taking it and making it his own. Uh, Pedri, similar situation has, has done the same, but to expect, you know, it, it can happen with with a couple of guys here and there throughout a season where you know really young guys end up stepping up and 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 starring. But for Barcelona, where you have you know now it's like five or six guys that you're expecting that from. Like the chances of that working out in your favor, slim to none. And and that's that's the issue they've been having. And and it isn't necessarily that they've you know they've looked bad all game. And in some cases, it's you know you make that one mistake. And it just, it, it, it completely changes the game. You know, you, you fall asleep on a set piece, which they've been giving up a lot of goals on corners. You fall asleep on a set piece, you give up a goal, you know, it, there it goes. You give up an early goal because of a, of, of, of a miscue, late goal. Like, it, it completely changes the tide of a game. No, absolutely, 100%. So speaking of young kids, um, 
I know we didn't talk about this, so let me ask you. I've been you've been following up. Canadian kids in Europe, Jonathan Davis or um, Alfonso Davies, or um, have you seen any of them lately? No, you, you know what? So, and let, let's get into this also. Actually, um, I haven't been watching as much soccer as I as I probably would have in past years, and I don't know what it is. We've talked about this with basketball. I think I've mentioned it before with soccer, but it just it doesn't seem the same to me. Um, even MLS, like I'm a, I know a lot of people like to hate, hate on MLS. I couldn't even get into MLS games, whereas normally, you know, you get rivalry games and I like to watch them, mm-hmm. but I, I, it's just for whatever reason, like I can't watch games without the crowd. It just, it's not the same for me, at least with the NBA and the bubble, I could, mm-hmm. I could make it work. Do you find like that there's, there's a difference in how you're consuming soccer right now, just because of COVID and just how, how different things are right now? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, for me, the one sport I, I think I've mentioned that's kind of gone sideways over the last couple of years has been football. Uh, soccer, no, because uh, generally, I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks not having, uh, like, w- watching it in an empty stadium. But I guess I've been so starved for good quality sports for so many months, you know, when everything was suspended. I'm just glad it's there. And Saturday morning, Sunday morning is a pretty good ritual. I will admit I'm not watching as much as I used to, but uh, uh, I try to watch a few marquee games here and there and so forth. Oh, I mean, it's working out fine for me at this point. Yeah, maybe it's just I, the kid for me. Kind of weird, right? Yeah, it, it, it might just be because I got the kid now and or the kids. Um, so may, maybe it's just I, I, I don't get access to the TV like during during the mornings like I would have because there's like kids' cartoons playing all day. Um, mm-hmm. That, But... Even in the past, like I, I would have probably looked for a replay of a game or streamed a game. Also, the fact that you know, EPL used to be so easily accessible in Canada before. Uh, it's because it's on DAZN, and I refuse yeah. to pay for it because I'm paying for so many streaming services already. It makes it a lot. Even in, to be honest with you, even when I had DAZN, it I was a lot less likely to have to turn on a computer or turn on my phone to have to watch a game. It's just it's completely different than just flipping on the TV and finding a game that's that's on. I'm, I'm less likely to watch. So basically what I've been doing is I've been watching my teams. So Toronto FC, um, Barcelona here and there, even that's a lot less. But anything else, like West Ham, I'm, I'm not watching. EPL in general, not really watching. Bundesliga here and there maybe because it's on TV. Same with Serie A, but it's, it's yeah. just not the same yeah, from yeah, that I, I kind of agree with. Like, I mean, if I if 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 I'm being honest, I watch well Liverpool. I try not to miss. Uh, other than that, I've watched a few Spurs games here and there. I, I've only seen like two, three Barcelona games this year, really. And that's the thing, right? And for some reason, it's just my personal preference. There are certain uh, the League One, for example, in in France. It, it, it's and, and Syria, both of them, they just look terrible without fans for some reason, just the way the coverage is. Yeah. So EPL, the coverage is a little bit better on that standpoint. I haven't seen a lot of Bundesliga, so I can't say. Um, Spain, I don't remember paying that much attention. I, like I said, I've seen a couple of Barcelona games. But yeah, I can't watch Syria or League One right now. It's just they seem too boring uh, without the crowd piece. So yeah, that I, I 100% agree with. Um, so I guess, yeah, it seems that I'm watching a lot because I try not to miss Liverpool and maybe just Spurs here and there. 
haven't seen a lot of Man City games, to be very honest. Um, so, yeah, I kind of see your point there for sure. And, and I'll actually second that on uh, watching less NFL football lately. Um, again, like same thing. I think for the past four years, I've watched the Dolphins. And other than that, like I, I'll tell like, my, my fiance will always ask me, hey, don't you want to watch football? There's football. And I'm like, is it the Dolphins? If it's not the Dolphins, I'm not watching it because I, I, I don't really care. I, I have a big gripe with NFL football and just the just the broadcast in general. I know people love it. And I'm probably going to get flamed for, for saying this, but when you can fit the gameplay into seven minutes, but the broadcast is three and a half hours, like it's so long and it's so boring. And that's one of the things that initially attracted me to soccer. It's that two hours, I'm committing two hours. It's, and I know people like, like, like to hate on soccer, especially in North America, because it's, it's slow and it's boring, but like the football is also slow and boring. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You know what? I sat down last weekend and I saw, thought, you know, I'll probably f- watch my first game this season start to finish. Um, uh, it was about four four thirty. So I thought, okay, I'll watch a four twenty five game. Uh, One o'clock these days is really hard for me with the kid and everything. And um, I'm like, okay, Bucks are playing uh, Falcons. Watch it. And I could only watch two quarters and then or a half, and then I got busy with stuff. It's like you know when you watch a lot of sports. After a while, something's got to give. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna give up on soccer. I'm not gonna give up on. Baseball. Primarily Raptors, baseball, cricket. So football's got to go because there's one day I have to give back to the family. You know, like I can't watch soccer Saturday, Sunday, and then all of Sunday watching football. It's just not good for the health of my marriage. So, <laughs> <laughs> but if you were to give up on cricket, you you would save yourself three days with one match, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, five days sometimes. <laughs> oh, and, I mean, the, the worst thing about cricket. So I mean, I was watching the T Twenty games, Pakistan, New Zealand, full house, amazing. So those are three-hour games. But when you're playing in New Zealand, the game starts at one in the morning, and my wife's like, and they lost the first two games, and she's like, is it worth watching? I'm like, yeah, still, it's good. Um, but uh, no, but at least cricket, I, I like sports that have, well, all sports have nuances, let's be honest. But I like the kind of matchups you have in cricket and baseball, and, and that's why I like soccer as well. People think it's slow, but there's a whole lot going on, right? Um, like, even... Yeah. Again, and that's what I don't understand a lot of people in North America when they feel that soccer is boring. Like you talk about, you know, hockey and baseball and sorry, basketball and hockey, and you talk about describing players that, you know, he needs to learn how to play when he doesn't have the ball. Well, that happens a lot in soccer too, and you just gotta watch for it, right? And look for it. And uh, small turns can, you know, force a different pass and things like that. So I enjoy soccer, so I don't think I'm gonna give that up. So too bad it was NFL. I mean I'm thinking maybe if I come up with a routine, maybe I can try to be semi-regular with Monday Night Football. Maybe. Let's see. To be honest with you, it was a lot easier to watch NFL football when I was playing fantasy football. That is true. Because you start you start paying attention to other players, right? Remember, I, I, there was that one year where we were, or a couple of years where we were in the same league together. And yes. I remember like, we were working in the same spot and like, Every Monday, we'd come in and start talking about all oh, this. Exactly. You and your, I think it was Devontae Freeman who was constantly yes, going off for you. Yes. <laughs> I kept waiting for that shit to drop. I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to continue doing this. And he kept on. Yes. No, those were good times. Yeah. You're right about that for sure. And that's why I only like football. Fan- like when it comes to fantasy, I only like football. Set up your lineup once a week and you're done. I can't 
do daily lineups and stuff with other sports. I tried baseball. I sucked at it. Which is surprising I, because you're such a you're such a baseball guy and you're like you're you're a baseball numbers guy specifically. Well, well, that's the thing. Again, for the health of my marriage, I can't only spend X amount of time on sports. So it's not like like setting up a lineup every day in baseball. It's it's a lot, right? Especially if there's a, you know, like if a, if a pitcher goes down, someone else comes and you have to make adjustments. I'm too lazy for all that. Um, it, it's easier, you know. Uh, football, you set up your lineup on uh, Thursday, maybe, and you're good until next yeah. Thursday. You know what though the, the problem I had with football was I, I was in this one league where uh players cleared waivers at five in the morning, four in the morning. Was it our I don't, league? It, it was our league actually, and there was another league at the it was same a big time. Big league, great. Right? So yeah, so what I would actually end up doing is I would set my alarm. I can't remember if it was. I guess it was Tuesday at like five in the morning. Yes, I would set my alarm. I would roll over in bed. I, I'd already have it in my, in my mind who I'm picking up. I'd roll over make my moves on my phone. I'd see my fiance wake up and she'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just got to make a couple pickups. Hold on, hold on. And then go back to sleep. But like, honestly, you do that. You wake up at five in the morning and then you're getting up at like six, six thirty. Anyways, you end up feeling that. Yes. Yes. For sure. For sure. Oh yeah. I remember those were good days. ESPN leagues. I enjoyed ESPN leagues. Yeah. I, I'm more of a, more of a Yahoo league guy. I, I just like the, the layout a little bit better. I like the app, but the, the ESPN, ESPN league was fine too. I will be honest that I do play hockey regularly every year, but after the first three four years, I've learned that if I let my let Autodraft pick my team, I do much better. So I usually go with Autodraft. I like stay out of my own way, and I think ever since I've Autodrafted, I've ended up in top three every year. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm wondering about the the quality of the fantasy players in your league, though. If they're letting a, a an Autodraft team finish top three every year. Hey, best player available all the time, every time. It's 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 the best. It's honestly the best way. If you if you have no idea what you're doing, it's definitely the best because you're gonna end up screwing yourself After over. Five rounds, I have no idea. After yeah. five rounds, I have no idea. Yeah, me too. I, I played once in the past five years, and I was I was terrible, and I'm pretty sure I stopped paying attention halfway through. Okay, so, but uh, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's good content for our episode today. So. Yeah, that, that about does that. I don't have anything else. Hopefully, um, I think what we'll probably end up doing, just, just to let everybody watching know, is we probably won't be back for a couple of weeks with the holidays. We'll, we'll take some time off. Um, we're we're going to be working on on getting some more guests in soon. Um, so look out for that. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. If there's anything you want to see, just, just let us know. Yeah, and please subscribe uh, to our channel on YouTube. You can click the bell icon, and um, whenever we post something new, you can be notified. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and uh, Twitter as well at Box and One Pod. Um, if you prefer to listen to the audio, we're available on uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other platforms as well. Uh, so, and, and if you have any ideas about what we want to talk, what we should be talking about, please uh, uh, send us an email our way, or just tweet at us, or send us a message on Instagram. We'll be more than happy to take your suggestions. Yeah, I don't think we've ever shared this, but the email is. Uh box and one and it's o-n-e pod at gmail.com if you want to just reach out and say what's up um feel feel free to drop us a line and we'll we'll definitely respond because we got nothing better to do (laughs) all right thanks uh thanks for watching and have yourself a great day all right thanks a lot everybody see you next time see you